Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 432. As part of our Art of Living author interview series, our guest today is Mark Greeny. The Not Old Better Show audience will know Mark Greeny from his work in Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan universe or his best-selling Gray Man series. And next week, February 18th, 2020, a brand new Gray Man book titled One Minute Out will be on sale and will hit bookstores everywhere. Our guest today is Mark Greeny, New York Times best-selling author who first published The Gray Man in 2009 and it became a national bestseller and a highly sought-after Hollywood property. Now there are nine novels in the New York Times best-selling Gray Man series, including One Minute Out. Sony is developing the film adaptation for the series' debut, The Gray Man. In research for his novels, Mark Greeny travels to dozens of countries. He visits the Pentagon, military bases and embassies, and he has trained alongside military and law enforcement personnel. In bestseller Greeny's remarkable ninth Gray Man novel, Our Hero... Cortland Gentry, also known as the Gray Man, takes on the Consortium, an international sex slave cartel, the existence of which Gentry stumbles on while committing a hit on a Serbian strongman. A former CIA employee, Gentry fell out of favor to the point that the agency was trying to kill him. And after getting that misunderstanding straightened out, the agency is still kind of trying to kill him, though Gentry works as an off-the-books assassin in a secret CIA program called Poison Apple. Never mind Gentry's official status, what's important is that Cortland Gentry is probably the greatest assassin in the world, and those who oppose him usually end up dead. In One Minute Out, Cortland Gentry decides to defy his bosses and hunt down the men who are part of the consortium, running his own op with no help from the CIA. It's a great story, and Mark Greeny gets high praise for his work. Among his many compliments comes from another of my favorite authors, Lee Child, who says, I love The Gray Man. Me too. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show author interview series, New York Times best-selling author of The Gray Man, and his latest in The Gray Man series, One Minute Out, author Mark Greeny. Mark Greeny, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. I have to tell you, I love the series. I, I'm probably like, you know, millions of fanboys out there, and, you, and your newest Gray Man, One Minute Out, is just is, is excellent. I look forward to the books, actually, and, I, and I'm, gra- I'm really glad you're making it all happen. Seems like the goal's pretty aggressive. Are you doing two a year? Because I loved Red Metal, too. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have done two books a year for 10 years. I've been in this <laughs> career for 10 years, and I've done uh, this... Uh, one Minute Out is my 19th book, and then I have another project coming out later in the year, which is actually an audio original drama, not not a not a published book. But it's been two books a year for 10 years, and, um, and I'm not going to do it for the next 10 years. Now, I've said that <laughs> for a few years, but this year I really only have one thing set up I'm doing, which is uh, great, book 10 in the Gray Man series. And then I'll probably play with some other stuff, but I'd I'm not signing anything saying that I have to finish another book this year. I'm ready to just ratchet it back just a little bit. Well, that's a great book. It's certainly a great book. I know my audience is just going to love it. You're also known for your work with the late Tom Clancy. And I wonder if you were a fan of Clancy's and is is that what led to the partnership or was it pure business or did it have an element of both? Um, I, I think it definitely had an element of both. I don't think I would have been considered <laughs> if I didn't 
make it very obvious that I was a huge Clancy fan and knew the canon. What what happened with it? I, honestly, the first thriller I ever bought my entire life was Patriot Games <laughs> book when I was I think 19 years old. And then I became obsessed with thrillers. I read every, well, at that point there were only two other Clancy's out, Red October and, and Red Storm. And, um, and I read those and then I went and found, uh, Frederick Forsyth and Le Carre and Nelson DeMille and all these guys and, and just read everything. And, but I'd always get the, you know, the Clancy book as soon as it came out. And my dad would either give it to me for Christmas or I'd, I'd get him one for Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, each time. So I, Consequently, in my library now, I have all these first edition Clancy's, not because I went back and acquired them, but because I got them, you know, the week that they came out. And so when uh, my editor, who was also Tom Clancy's editor, uh, reached to my reached out to my agent and said, "Hey, um, uh, Tom is Tom Clancy's looking for a new uh, co-author. Is Mark interested?" And and but Tom had already I'd already known Tom for three years or two or three years and and he'd heard me talk about Clancy a lot so I think that's that and the fact I turned my books in reasonably on time probably <laughs> <laughs> the details in those books the details in your books are uh, they're always impressive and and so thorough and I wonder you you got to be kind of a a tech guy you probably are a tech fan and i wonder are you are you for research are you going to some of these big big tech trade shows do you do you find research uh in in other places the research you do on tactical is really interesting the gun research is really great how do you you kind of gather all that well uh tech and firearms are very different because i i do a lot with firearms and tech i am scrambling for each book to to um you know, to explain things and to learn things. I mean, I, it's mostly reading, and then I will hear from subject matter experts that will talk about something and some gee whiz thing, and then I'll look into that. Um, but in firearms, I'm I'm an aficionado. I own a lot of the guns that the heroes, you know, in, in the books use, and I do a lot of training um, with firearms. I go to the, those trade shows and things like that, and I and I I enjoy that a lot. The tech stuff, I I wish I knew more. I mean, I I was just writing something yesterday and I was trying to explain this radio thing and I I didn't quite understand it myself. So I was like, all right, I need to go talk to somebody (laughs) before I fictionalize something that I don't even have a handle on. (laughs) I imagine you're a history buff too, because this is uh, historic fiction, I suppose. And I, and I, and I like the Gray Man series because of all of those world events and, and then the Serbian general in um, <laughs> one minute out, uh, the Ratko Babich name is is a great one. So I, I guess you uh, pay attention to to media and pop culture and history and and gotta gotta touch on all those things. All all that stuff. In in the case of the Serbian general, I I studied the Bosnian War. I've read mm-hmm. dozens dozens of books on the Bosnian War, and of course there was a uh, a colonel named Ratko Mladic who. Uh, uh, committed the Srebrenica massacre in 95. And that's who this is based on. And Mladic was, uh, he was on the run for 20 years or so, but they caught him a while back. Um, in this story, there's a guy named Rodko Babic, who is, uh, you know, basically that character, but he's, he's still alive and out there. But I've, I've always been a huge history fan. I, I you know, I said the first thriller I ever bought was uh, Patriot games, but I've been reading books as long as I could read. I was into, you know, reading every book about like real biographies of, uh, I was very interested in Native Americans. Uh, we called them Indians back then. That was mm-hmm. the 70s. But, uh, and then I, um, and then I did a lot of Civil War history research just because I live in the South. And my father was uh, infantry 
enlisted infantry in the Second World War and saw combat in uh, Germany and in the Philippines. So um, I was very fascinated by the Second World War and I read all that kind of stuff. And and, you know, history does repeat. So there's there's things in my books that will be like variations on you know, this thing that happened in Rotterdam in the Second World War or something like that. I'll work that into a book in a, in a modern version. So it, it really that really does help me a lot. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And, and and the name Ratko is is just great for yeah, <laughs> the villain there. He's bad guy from the <laughs> first time you hear his name. Yeah, that? absolutely. Just picked him out no, immediately. No offense to anyone named Ratko. <laughs> Uh, I I wonder if they're out there, but that that's a great that's a great name. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, as I was reading one minute out, it caught me uh, initially as I was reading Court uh, describe some things in first person, and uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting take. What what decided that approach for you? Yeah, I think it's rare that in the ninth mm-hmm. book of the series you you switch into the first person for the protagonist. Um, I. There are very specific reasons to do it in this book, and I and I like to cite those to make me sound like I'm very wise. But honestly, I've been telling everybody that I'm going to do first person for like three or four books. <laughs> so um, even when I didn't have a reason to do it, I've always kind of wanted to do it. But in this book, um, you're you're alone with the hero a lot of the time. Um, it's he doesn't have some of these characters, these sidekicks that he has in other books that he can sort of play off in the play off of in the dialogue and you, you learn things in the dialogue that I think it's fun to learn in dialogue that you can't just have the narrator explain things. So by putting it in the first person, it's almost like he's having a conversation with the reader. Um, it's written first person present. So it doesn't talk. It, it's not him like telling you a story about something that happened to him. It's sort of him telling you what's happening as it's happening, hopefully to give it a little bit more immediacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was fun to play with. And uh, very quickly, it just became very easy for me to do. Um, it wasn't the biggest challenge of writing this book at all, even though it was the first time I've done it. I will, I'll go back to third person for the next book, but mm-hmm. I imagine I'll, I'll bring it out again at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great to hear Court Gentry say, you know, he doesn't shoot dogs. And so I'm a dog person. And I imagine with history and tech and all the other uh, firearm uh, uh, research that you have to do, you, you, you sound like you're probably a dog person. And so I, uh, I wonder, does, uh, does a lot of Court, uh, you know, start with you and kind of come out on the pages? Well, there's a couple of a couple ways he does. In most ways, he doesn't. Um, I am a a dog person. I have <laughs> two Catahoula leopard dogs, and um, hmm. and you'd, you'd be hearing them bark right now. But I just put them outside because tell me both, the breed again. Tell me the breed. Uh, they're called Catahoulas. Um, th- they're both rescues, so they I think they have you know different things in them. But it's a Louisiana ah. think, cattle dog. Catahoula. Okay. Okay. Nice. And, um, and they're awesome. They're, they're my best friends. (laughs) I'm really into dogs. I I, I love books where dogs are mentioned. I mean, I I just like that in, in, in books. And, um, and then, yeah, so he has this kind of mantra early in the story because there's these very awful mean dogs that are working for the bad guys. And he keeps telling himself, you know, he doesn't shoot dogs. He doesn't shoot dogs. And then there's a point where he's like, you know what? I'm going to have to shoot this dog. He doesn't shoot the dog. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just wanted to up the tension and see you see, you know, the danger that he's in. But, <laughs> yeah, um, other aspects. I'm, I'm kind of a smart aleck like my hero is. <laughs> although although the, in the books, I'm a lot more clever than I am in real life because <laughs> in a book you have six months to write it you know, or whatever. <laughs> Whereas, you know, on the, in the moment you might not think of this like, 
awesome rejoinder to, you know, put somebody in their place. But then when you have a chance to go back and edit it and look at it later, you can make it better. So I've had people at book signings go, how are you so quick witted? I'm like, it, it's not quick when you have half a year to write it, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of shooting, but I don't do it as well as he does. I go I do a lot of travel, but I don't, you know, travel to assassinate people so that, you know, there's there's definitely as, uh, aspects of him that I take from my real world. But it's, uh, you know, he's he's a he's a rare breed. <laughs> he is. Yeah. You know, the subject is is unique, too, and, and not to give anything away, but but it's been reported human trafficking is is uh, the general subject here here in the book. And even court is appalled in, in trying to resolve all this. And, and I love that you have these different areas that you explore, these different plots that you always do. But I would imagine this was a tough one uh, for you to even deal with and research and kind of pull together. You're exactly right. And it's so funny. I didn't see that coming. You know, I just hmm. I just had the plot idea that he was going to, you know, break up or, you know, like uh, stumble upon a, a, a sex trafficking ring and do what he could kind of um, some of his actions. He's on a mission of vengeance at the beginning of the book. And then but but his actions, while he thinks they're noble, have lead to um these women and girls being in a more, even more desperate situation. And he, you know, that weighs heavy on him and that's just part of his moral compass. Um, but as I wrote the book, I realized, wow, you've got to tread lightly here. This is, this is, you know, the research I did, I was like, this is more brutal, more awful, more prevalent, um, you know, more coddled by people in places of power and influence than I would have possibly imagine it reminded me the third gray man book i wrote was called ballistic and i went down to mexico and did a lot of research on the drug cartels mm-hmm. and couldn't believe i mean we've all, we all we hear about the drug cartels every day but like if you really go down there and research it it's or sit in your house and research it you know online the the brutality and the just the inhumanity of it is just just breathtaking and then I haven't felt that way researching any other subject until here we are in book nine. And I, and I you just didn't know that much about human trafficking. But once I started researching and I was like, oh, my God, this is the most brutal, horrible, you know, dehumanizing thing that that is done to anyone in the world. So I wanted to talk about it and not make it salacious, not make it, you know, like exciting. You know, it's the it's just a really awful thing. And I wanted to treat it fairly. Mm-hmm. You do a great job with it. And and. And you do learn. I, I, I certainly feel like I always am learning something from your books, too. And I learned, uh, and you mentioned travel and, and for ballistic and going to, to uh, Mexico. I, I noticed from your Facebook page and my, my kind of my research of you that you get around a little bit. And so um, are you meeting potential characters as you travel around a little bit, too? Well, interestingly, the gray man himself is based on someone before I'd even had the idea for the plot. I was in El Salvador and I was in a, a bar just um, in the jungle, you know, just in from the beach. There were a lot of Americans and Westerners down there because it's like a big surf area. And I was just, I was down there studying Spanish, but in Guatemala, but I came to uh, El Salvador for the weekend and I was just sitting in a bar by myself and uh, another American that, came into the bar or, you know, Westerner came into the bar. I I heard him speak later and he was American and he didn't look like anyone else there. He, uh, whereas there was mostly like language students and stoners and surfers and stuff (laughs) like that there. And then locals, um, this guy just looked tougher. Um, he just looked, you know, very 
very different from the rest of the guys. And so I just sat there at the bar drinking a beer for an hour looking at that guy and just making up a story about him that he's has to live off grid in, in the third world because he's former CIA and the CIA is trying to kill him and he doesn't know why, you know, and it, that all came in one night hmm. and I'd written, I'd written a couple other books and hadn't been able to get them published. And, um, and then, you know, by the next day I was like, Oh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this book. And then when I was doing some training with firearms, I heard somebody use the term the gray man, which is just kind of a common term they use for someone who's able to, you know, who's very low profile in their, in their movements. And, um, so it all kind of came together very organically, but I do, I do meet people or see people and then, uh, you know, base characters on them. Well, it's all coming together very well. And I just, uh, have one, one question for you too. You mentioned book 10 of the gray man. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that you've got some tour dates. I live in Northern Virginia, just outside of DC. Any plans for DC and any, any film activity going on with you and, and the gray man that we, we can learn a little bit about. Yeah, I was in, uh, DC, Back in uh, July for my last book, Red Metal, and so I think the publicists want – and that was not a Gray Man uh, novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a different book, but that was just last July. So I think that's the only reason I'm not up there then. Um, I usually do. I'm sure I'll come up on the on the next tour. Uh, as far as films, uh, Sony Pictures owns the rights to the, to the Gray Man, and they have directors who are interested in it and an actor who's interested in it. And they just hired some more screenwriters to work on a screenplay that, that I've read and really, really liked. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been at that for 10 years. I mean, my first I got my first <laughs> film deal in 2009 and for that book and, and it still hasn't been made. So you never know. But at the same time, um, you know, there's been some positive updates. Oh, good. Good to hear. All great stuff, and congrats on everything, and uh, I've sure enjoyed talking to you. I'd love to talk to you again. Maybe next year we can visit this, and certainly would love to see you in D.C. at some point. But Mark Greeny, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. My thanks to New York Times bestselling author Mark Greeny. Mark Greeny's new book, One Minute Out, will be on sale wherever you find your books February 18th. My thanks to you, my dear Not Old Better Show audience, for your company today, and I hope you'll join me next time. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.